The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled Elevating Outcomes for HER2 Expressing GI Cancers, The Evolving Role of Molecularly Targeted Agents in BTC and GEA Care. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash PZU860. Downloadable slides are also available. Hello. And welcome to Elevating Outcomes for HER2 Expressing GI Cancers um, Peer Review Session. My name is Josep Tebernero from the Valdebron University Hospital in Barcelona, and I'm joined by Dr. Suban Pan from the Anderson, and the Anderson Cancer Center uh, based in Houston to discuss the evolving role of molecular targeted agents for both biliary tract cancers and gastric and gastroesophageal junction cancers, and how the recent evidence in reshaping care, including the new data that has been recently presented at the 2023 ESMO Congress. Our goals for today are going to be to learn about the current evidence supporting molecular testing in all GI patients, but in particular uh, patients with BTC and GEA uh, cancers, because this is going to help us to select goals, which patients actually may benefit from HER2-directed therapy. So we are going to be uh, enhancing our understanding on personalized treatment base, on molecular findings, also the current evidence uh, that has been presented for those compounds and specific factors, uh, patient-related factors that we have to take in consideration when treating these patients. And finally, we are going to discuss how to apply practical strategies to manage and mitigate treatment-related adverse events for some of these compounds. I would like to emphasize one important um, activity uh, led by the Cholangiocarcinoma Foundation, a Patients Advocate Foundation, that has set up uh, a web page. Uh, you can access to the web page and the data with this QR code. But basically, there is tremendous information for professionals, patients, and caregivers. So you, you will find um, many um, uh, actions that you can take in consideration, including but not limited to the International Cholangiocarcinoma Patient Registry, how to find the best specialists, and also how to find and learn about clinical trials, among others. So let's move to the first part of, the, of this session, and I'm going to make a rapid review of the critical need for personalized care in GI cancers. First of all, important to know uh, the role and um, frequency across different tumor types of HER2 aberrations. And globally speaking, we know that there are different types of aberrations, the most important ones, HER2 amplification, HER2 overexpression, and HER2 mutations. Important message here is that, as you see, both for stomach cancer, esophageal junction cancer, and biliary tract cancer, the, pr the proportion of patients that may have any of the variations is really important, especially for HER2 amplification and HER2 overexpression. So we'll discuss a little bit how to deal the strategy on looking at the patients that have uh, this kind of aberrations. And important also to look at the, the databases. And in this particular case, we have uh, the shortcomings uh, from uh, a database uh, in the United States clearly showing that in the case of uh, advanced biliary cancers, 81% of the patients uh, were not uh, confident in the ability uh, uh, for the use of uh, different targeted agents uh, in this particular tumor. Also, we do know from these registries that 85% of the patients received first-line chemotherapy based on chancitabine and cisplatin, 
46% of the patients actually have the opportunity to receive second-line therapy, and only 17% of them actually can move to the third-line uh, uh treatment. Important to mention that with the knowledge that we know right now uh, of new uh, targeted agents directed to specific aberrations, we should take in consideration to formally test all patients. And this is another um, uh, database uh, showing uh, coming from more than 3,000 patients with advanced metastatic gastric or gastroesophageal uh, junction cancer, again, showing that uh, one-third of the patients were not treated for, were not tested for HER2 status. And also, only 58% of the patients that uh, were disclosed to be HER2 positive actually received uh, HER2-directed therapies in the, in the first-line setting. Moreover, uh, we don't know that in second-line, uh, mainly patients receive uh, chemotherapy. And sometimes, because of the delay of um, uh, looking for um, um, specific um, aberrations, actually there is no consideration to um, um, uh, have uh, opportunities with targeted agents. Important to mention also coming from these databases, and this comes from the Dutch Pathology Registry. Fortunately, in this setting, in, in Holland, we have seen an increasing uh, proportion of patients that have evaluation of HER2 testing over the years, since 2010, now in 2016. But uh, still, uh, mentioning also about this database, only 77% of the HER2 patients with uh, GI cancers actually receive uh, trastuzumab. Finally, before moving to the first uh, uh, part of the presentation, we know that uh, there are several mechanisms uh, of uh, activity in compounds targeting HER2. Uh, initially, uh, those that were considered single, single epitope monoclonal antibodies, like uh, trastuzumab, the original one, like margetuzumab, um, um, pertuzumab, uh, more recently, also we have ADCs, uh, antibody uh, drug conjugates, uh, targeting uh, the ectodomain of the receptor, like trastuzumab and tensin and trastuzumab delsecan, also by a specific antibodies like sanidatamab. And uh, finally, uh, kinase inhibitors, small molecules with the capacity to inhibit the endodomain of the receptor, like lapatimid, melatinib, and, and tocatinib. So without Anything more, I would like now to um, give the podium to Professor Shuban Pan to cover the field of um, uh, biliary tract cancer. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Tabanera, for that excellent introduction. Uh, I'm Shubham Pant. I'm a professor in the Department of GI Medical Oncology and Investigational Cancer Therapeutics in, at the University of uh, Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Biliary tract cancers uh, roughly can be divided into multiple little uh, subsets. So as you can see, there's gallbladder cancer, there's intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma, and extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. And why this matters is because genomically, they're very different tumors. For example, intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma can have FGFR2 fusions, whereas gallbladder cancers and extrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma can have more HER2 amplification, especially gallbladder cancer in which it can be heard to amplified in 20 to 30% of patients. And precision oncology has really taken off in biliary tract cancers and has been the key to optimal management in advanced cancers over the last decade. And as you can see about these approvals, 
We had uh, the FGFR fusions, uh, starting with infogratinib, pemigatinib, futibatinib, most recently, evocidinib for IDH1 mutations, and most recently, zanidatamab for breakthrough therapy designation for HER2-amplified cholangiocarcinoma. Now, the way to detect uh, HER2 amplification in uh, tumor samples, we can either do immunohistochemistry. So when we are looking at uh, just uh, HER2 2-plus or 3-plus patients, which are considered positive, or you can do fluorescent in-situ hybridization or next-generation sequencing in which you can find an over-amplification of HER2. Now, just to give you an idea of the second-line uh, overall subset in patients with biliary tract cancers. This was a study of full Fox chemotherapy versus Bex supportive care. And the response rate in these patients was 5% in the second line setting in biliary tract cancers. Now, HER2 overexpression can have a prognostic uh, endpoint in biliary tract cancers, just like breast cancer. In this study, resected patients with biliary tract cancers when if they were HER2 amplified, they had a poorer disease-free survival and overall survival than patients with HER2 negative disease. These graphs are very similar to what we saw in the initial studies in breast cancer. Now, targeting HER2 positive biliary tract cancers, it is a rarer disease. So we've looked at most of the data comes from BASKET trial. This was the first one, uh, my pathway trial of pertuzumab and trastuzumab and HER2 positive metastatic BTC. And these patients received a median of one to three prior regimens of therapy. The overall response rate in these patients was 29% with a progression-free survival of four months and an overall survival of 10.9 months. And on account of this study, which was published in the Lancet Oncology, uh, this is in the NCCN guidelines in the United States uh, for HER2 positive tumors, uh, BTCs, in which uh, uh, this was approved in the, in the guidelines, in the NCCN guidelines. Now, moving on to antibody drug conjugates, uh, the HERB trial was done in TDXT in patients, again, with HER2 expressing unresectable or recurrent BTC. This was an investigator-initiated study in Japan, five trial sites. Uh, there were 30 patients and majority of the patients, 11, were uh, gallbladder cancer. The uh, response rate was 36.4% in these patients with a duration of response of 7.4 months. However, uh, antibody drug conjugates can have side effects, including anemia, uh, neutrophil count decrease, and uh, uh, white count cell decrease. Uh, you can also, in a small percentage of patients, get interstitial lung disease or pneumonitis, but that has been recognized early to intervene in these patients. And we recently saw data emerging from ESMO 2023 for HER2-positive BTC. In this, this was a study called Destiny Pan Tumor O2, multiple tumors HER2 overexpressing. Overall, overall response rate was 37.1%. Uh, for IHC 2 plus was 27.2%. For IHC 3 plus was much higher at 61.3%. If you specifically look at the biliary tract cancers, for all patients of BTC was 22%, the overall response rate. That's the one in purple that you can see on the graph. And for HER2 3 plus was 
again, part of a basket trial. Uh, this study was presented in ASCO in 2023, uh, which was uh, to catenib, uh, a small molecule with trastuzumab. And there were 30 patients on this uh, uh, analysis. The confirmed overall response rate was 46.7% with the median duration of response of six months. One of the main side effects of the combination was diarrhea. And now we come to Zani Datamab or ZW25. That is a bispecific antibody for HER2 expressing cancers. It binds to two unique domains on HER2, the ECD or extracellular domain 2 and extracellular domain 4. And this binding can lead to enhanced receptor clustering on the cell surface compared to trastuzumab and uh, pertuzumab and an inhibition of cellular proliferation uh, leading to ADCCs and other mechanisms. Zani datamab was first uh, evaluated as a basket uh, in, in within a basket trial in patients with locally advanced or metastatic HER2 expressing cancers. There was a dose escalation part of the trial followed by a dose expansion. 22 patients of ability tract cancers came in this analysis. And this is the anti-tumor activity uh, in these patients with ability tract cancers the overall response rate in these patients was 38% with the median duration of response. That means the patients who were responding, how long did they stay on the trial? The median duration of response was 8.5 months with a median progression-free survival of 3.5 months. Again, this was a heavily pretreated population. And this led to this global phase 2B study of Zanidatamab monotherapy in HER2-amplified BTC. And there were patients, again, with HER2 amplified, which was defined as in situ hybridization positive, that's ish positive, with HER2 2 plus or 3 plus. There were also patients with 0 and 1 plus initially who were part of the trial. However, seven patients were enrolled in this trial, and they did not show any new safety signal or responses. So what was reported in ASCO 2023 was on the 80 patients, which were ish positive and HER2 2 plus and 3 plus positive. Zanidatamab was given IV once every two weeks with a primary endpoint of overall response rate and key secondary endpoints of duration of response, disease control rate, progression-free survival, and overall survival. It was a truly global trial uh, in uh, multiple countries across uh, 32 sites uh, in multiple continents. Uh, this was enrolled over approximately two years. This was the response rate. Uh, the response rate was looked at by um, independent uh, central review and by investigator assessment. The confirmed overall response rate for patients was 41.3% with a disease control rate of 68.8%. And this is the swimmer's plot. In this, you can see individual patients who were responding on the trial. The median duration of response for the patients was 12.9 months with a medium time to first response, um, a relatively short 1.8 months. The progression-free survival in this cohort was 5.5 months. The overall survival data is not yet mature and it will be reported out soon. 
Uh, the adverse events of special interest were captured, which was infusion-related reaction. So 33.3% um, uh, of patients got any grade of infusion-related reactions. However, patients did get, uh, they, they did get uh, some pre-medications uh, uh, after the first few patients, and then we saw less percentage of infusion-related reactions. And this was mostly in the first few infusions, and then it improved. Uh, the main uh, no, uh, the main other side effects was diarrhea, but this was easily managed with some over-the-counter uh, anti-diarrheal medicines and hydration. This is an updated data from ESMO 2023, the quality of life outcomes with Zani Datamab. What this slide essentially shows is that the patients who got Zani Datamab in the trial and they had a response to health-related quality of life did tend to improve in these patients. The conclusions and take-home messages from Horizon BTC01 was that Zanidatamab demonstrated anti-tumor activity, including rapid and durable responses in patients with refractory HER2-positive BTC. Uh, Zanidatamab had a demonstrated manageable and safety tolerable safety profile. Few events led to treatment discontinuation. There were no grade 4 AEs and no deaths were treatment-related. Uh, most common AEs, as we showed, were infusion-related reactions and diarrhea, predominantly low-grade and reversible. Uh, coming to kind of uh, some other combination trials, this was a TAB study, which was a poster in ASCO 2023, in which patients, frontline patients, were screened for HER2 status, and 90 patients were enrolled in the single-arm trial, which was gemcitabine and cisplatin combined with trastuzumab in the frontline setting of HER2-positive BTC. Majority of these patients, more than 90%, were gallbladder cancer. Uh, the six-month overall survival was 81.1% in these patients, with the six-month progression-free survival of 75.6%. So an interesting signal in this disease in the frontline setting. This was recently also published, which is a combination trial of Folfox uh, with trastuzumab for HER2-positive BTC which was refractory to gemcitabine and cisplatin. Uh, 34 patients were enrolled with an overall response rate of 29.4%, median progression-free survival of 5.1 months. And uh, uh, these patients, though, did have side effects with about 68% having some kind of grade 3 toxicity, either with the chemotherapy or with the combination. So now we come to... Uh, a discussion of HER2-positive metastatic intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma. We are here to discuss Brian, a 60-year-old man who has recently been diagnosed with multifocal intrahepatic cholangiocarcinoma with bilobar hepatic disease and metastases to the lung. ECOG of 1, a patient initiated uh, gemcitabine cisplatin with dervalumab and subsequently patient progresses. So, uh, Dr. Tabernero, I'm going to tap you on this. What do you think the next step of management of this patient could be? Well, thank you very much, first of all, Professor Pan, for uh, raising this um, um, uh, the case. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the data actually supports that uh, this patient uh, received as a first-line treatment uh, a combination of gencitabine plus cisplatin and, and durvalumab. But, of course, as, as, as you clearly pointed out, 
patients with um, biliary tract cancer actually have um, multiple or have the opportunity to have multiple genomic aberrations that lead to um, selected treatments for them. So I think that um, uh, it's going to be important uh, to have, uh, you know, uh, a multi uh, targeted test uh, that could allow us to know any potential uh, genomic aberrations. We can discuss a lot whether this has to be an NGS-based test or multiple PCR tests, but um, I think that uh, for the best management of this patient, we need to expand the molecular profiling. Yeah, so I think, uh, thank you for that. I think what what is heartening here is how the HER2 story carries on how we started, you know, more than about 1985 when it was first described and then uh, the antibodies uh, came out and how it kind of goes on in which in different formulations now these bispecific agents have come out which can really uh, provide some durable benefit for these patients. Uh, so the next step in management, uh, Dr. Tabanero, you can click ahead if you want. So as anticipated, um, um, an, an NGS testing um, uh, looking for multiple aberrations was done, and actually a HER2 amplification was found. Subham, how you will move forward in this setting? Yes, uh, that's great. So the ones, you know, we have the NCCN guidelines in which we have the combination of trastuzumab and pertuzumab. Uh, that can be an option. Obviously, always we recommend patients go on a clinical trial um, and, uh, you know, if a trial is available with Zanidatamab, that's an option too. Uh, the counseling on the potentially AEs, uh, you know, if they go on an ADC, that counseling is different. Uh, what I tell my patients, it, it is like a chemotherapy. It's, you know, though it's a targeted agent, uh, you can definitely see the side effects, fatigue, uh, heme toxicities that you can see. And then with other things like Zanidatamab, yes, you could get diarrhea. Uh, that is that is manageable and and some of the infusion related reactions we talked about majority which were grade one and two so, but the great thing is there are a lot of different options for our patients in this setting thank you for the question dr tapnero thank you very much um so now we can move forward um to the next part of um of this uh, uh session with updating uh, um uh, the data that we have on 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 potential role of HER2 targeting strategies uh, in gastroesophageal adenocarcinoma, and of course, as we anticipated at the beginning, um, we need to to have uh, a clear step-wise uh, process for um, uh, doing the best um, workup for our patients, including um, HER2 testing. So let's start with the case. Uh, Thomas uh, was recently diagnosed with a stage four gastroesophageal junction adenocarcinoma with metastasis in the lungs. We ordered uh, HER2 testing uh, on the biopsy and, and the pathologist uh, came to us saying that the patient had HER2 overexpression but with a score of uh, two plus. So, um, uh, in this situation, uh, per the recommendations of uh, almost all the guidelines, uh, it's well recommended that patients uh, should have uh, a, a test for amplification. Initially, it was FISH. Moreover, right now, it's more recommended ish, uh, because actually this defines a population of patients with IHC score 2 that may benefit more from the treatment with a HER2-directed therapy. This is what we did in our patient, and at the end, um, uh, the patient had uh, each uh, two um, um, positive, so um, it was considered, um, you know, as, as her positive. 
Um, an important thing here, actually, that relates to the assessment of HER2 status, especially in gastric cancer, that it's quite differential to breast cancer, is the importance of uh, looking at a defined number of samples uh, between five and six at minimum. And, and we know that this is important because uh, the heterogeneity of HER2 expression is well established in, in patients with gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer. And uh, the proportion of patients that uh, may be HER2 positive, if we evaluate less than six biopsies, uh, decrease, and, and we may exclude the patient from uh, a potential uh, benefit uh, with therapy of um, of uh, HER2-directed agent. And actually, all the guidelines right now um, recommend that uh, all patients with gastric, metastatic gastric, or uh, gastroesophageal junction cancer should be considered for HER2 testing at diagnosis. And even more, NCCN guidelines have uh, also included that the test uh, should be considered at radiological progression or clinical progression of the disease, what actually is going to become probably more standard of care in this so uh, once we have the results of this patient, as mentioned, ISH positive, uh, uh, of course, we have to discuss with the patient which are the different opportunities that, that we have for them. And actually, we are going to make a review of these potential opportunities that were based on data published some years ago, but also on the more recent presentations that we have had, including the um, ESMO 2023 20, presentations. Important to mention that uh, the seminal uh, breakthrough paper um, presentation came from the results of the TOG analysis that for the first time evaluated the role of combining trastuzumab in combination with the standard chemotherapy in the first-line treatment of patients that were HER2 positive. Um, um, the, uh, the overall survival data show an impressive uh, benefit favoring uh, the combination of trastuzumab plus chemotherapy with a hazard ratio of all included patients that were HER2 positive or 0.74. And actually, uh, this was considered um, the main standard and unrecommended in all guidelines. Nevertheless, uh, postdoc analysis looking at the potential uh, subgroups uh, that could uh, define um, characteristics of patients that um, that did benefit more from the treatment, including the the level of HER2 expression, actually show that uh, those patients that have IHC three plus or um, IHC two plus fish or ish positive are the ones that benefit more from the treatment. And actually, this has been considered um, in uh, in most of the guidelines and even in the regulatory approvals for uh, treating patients with um, advanced uh, metastatic gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer with HER2 overexpression. With these excellent results of the of the TOGA study, other trials were conducted in the first line setting and the second line setting, trying to define whether other HER2 directed options could also benefit patients with this disease. Unfortunately, the phase three trials evaluating the role of pertuzumab on top of chemotherapy plus trastuzumab fail uh, to show an advantage, a statistically significant advantage in overall survival, as well the trials evaluating uh, the role of uh, the HER2 kinase inhibitor lapatinib. A little bit similar um, succeed in, in, in the second line setting where trials evaluating lapatinib um, or um, an ADC, trastuzumab, um, and tensin, uh, TDN1, 
uh, unfortunately fail to show any significant benefit in terms of overall survival. So this was the standard, the basis of treating patients with um, uh, HER2 positive uh, metastatic gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer. Other trials have evaluated other compounds in in this setting, and it's important to mention the data from the Keynote 811 study. And this trial, very simple trial, evaluated in this population of patients HER2 advanced gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer, the addition of uh, the immune checkpoint PD-1 inhibitor pembrolizumab to conventional trastuzumab and chemotherapy regimens in the first-line setting. This was a randomized study with um, different analysis, and actually in the interim analysis uh, that uh, was conducted uh, almost two years ago, um, uh, so group um, uh, secondary endpoint actually look for overall response rate, uh, independently review, and we were all impressed to see that those patients that received pembrolizumab on top of trastuzumab and chemotherapy achieve an overall response rate of almost 75%, but actually compare very well to the response rate in the control arm being 52%. More interestingly, um, in this uh, year's uh, ESMO meeting, uh, the data of uh, progression-free survival and overall survival was presented, and as expected, those patients receiving pembrolizumab on top of um, trastuzumab and chemotherapy had um, superior median progression-free survival with a hazard ratio of 0.72. This was for the all-commerce population, but even more for the pdl one positive population. Actually, this hazard ratio went down to 0.70, showing again the benefit of adding um, uh, pembrolizumab to the conventional treatment with trastuzumab and chemotherapy in the first-line setting. Moreover, we have seen other compounds that have been evaluated in this setting. One that I want to keep an attention also is trastuzumab derustecan. This is an antibody drug conjugate of trastuzumab plus as a payload a topoisomerase inhibitor, the roots they can. Naturally, uh, this compound has uh, multiple advantage, uh, advantages. Uh, first, uh, the, the, the ratio of uh, trastuzumab payload molecules is very high, eight molecules per um, of uh, the payload uh, uh, per uh, each molecule of trastuzumab, and also um, clear activity uh, in preclinical models and uh, in the clinical setting of bystander effect. So, the data of um, trastuzumab derustecan in the advanced gastric and gastroesophageal junction cancer field, first data came from the randomized phase 2 study, the STINI gastric 01, where patients that had previously received uh, chemotherapy plus trastuzumab were, and had progressed to another line of therapy, so this was a third line or beyond um, uh, setting, actually were randomized to receive testosterone the rustic as a single agent or what physicians consider the choice therapy for the patient, either in Utican or Paclitaxel. And as you can see in, in, in the initial um, presentations, uh, those patients that uh, received testosterone had superior overall survival, 
increasing from nine months to uh, 12.5 months uh, for favor interstitial second with a hazard ratio of 4.60. Also, uh, a high magnitude effect in the progression fuel survival figures with a hazard ratio of 4.47 and even more in the overall response rate. As you can see in the control arm, patients had an overall response rate of 14%, whereas um, in the Experimental arm with Tertusumab Derusecan, uh, the response increased up to 51%. This study, the Gastric 01, was uh, all conducted only in patients from Asia Pacific, so it was important for the regulatory authorities to have data on Western country patients, and this was the case for the Destiny Gastric 02 study. Uh, this is a phase 2 single arm study in the same population of patients in the same line setting with the additional uh, fact that all these patients needed a confirmation of the HER2 status before being included in the trial and the primary endpoint because this was a confirmatory study was a confirmed overall response rate and as you can see here the response rate is very similar to the one that was achieved in the gastric 01 study in this particular case confirmed overall response rate 42% and the 12 months uh, overall survival rate 50.6%. So really an impressive uh, um, efficacy data. You can see here um, the figures for uh, progression fee survival on the right side and median overall survival on the left side, um, clearly showing the effect in the third line setting or beyond um, of these patients with um, uh, metastasic gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer being treated with uh, trastuzumab dersecan. And thanks to these studies, uh, actually, um, and Tekan, uh, had the regulatory approval, first uh, of all in Japan, later on in the United States, and finally in Europe. Um, in the third line or later line in Japan, and second line or later uh, line in, in the case of uh, the United States uh, and Europe, Although uh, some other confirmatory studies are being conducted at, at this time point that will clearly define the best role for testosumab derustecan in this setting. Important to mention that testosumab derustecan has specific side effects on, on top of those related to testosumab. Probably the most important one, although the not, not the most frequent one, is um, ILD. And actually, right now, there are uh, very um, um, uh, important rules to suspect and, and to manage uh, ILD when it's present. Of course, when we have either symptoms or um, exhibition by any CT scan that the patient may have uh, ILD, um, we have to confirm that uh, potential diagnosis with multiple uh, tests uh, that are uh, mandated in a stepwise process, as you can see here in this slide. And at the end, we have to manage uh, ILD when it is confirmed. Very briefly, when we have grade one, we have to put on hold the treatment until it resolves to grade zero, and we can consider corticosteroids in particular conditions. We can actually reintroduce the treatment if the toxicity has, uh, has recovered to grade zero. But in case that we have grades two to four toxicity, uh, it's recommended to permanently discontinue the treatment and probably initiate um, um, a therapy with uh, corticosteroids, essentially. 
important to mention the other compound that uh, also Professor Pan has mentioned before, sanidatamab, this paratropic uh, HER2 targeted by a specific antibody. And in here, also for the gastro, gastric and gastroesophageal cancer, uh, young, young cancer population, actually we had initial data coming from studies that, even in the phase one studies, um, 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 with uh, multiple tumor types uh, over-expressing HER2, Actually, you can see in the right part that patients also with gastroesophageal uh, cancer had uh, amazing responses uh, in this uh, in this uh, analysis, and this has been the basis actually to develop um, this uh, open label uh, two-part phase two study. See uh, the why two hundred and one. Actually, this is a study for patients with unresectable, advanced metastatic gastric or gastroesophageal junction cancer uh, without prior um, HER2-targeted uh, regimens um, uh, to receive um, three um, uh, to receive the treatment in three different arms: sanidatamab in combination with uh, K-pods, sanidatamab in combination with fluoroacetyl uh, platin, and finally sanidatamab in combination with uh, uh, modified Folfort uh, seeds or more, um, in the different schedules that have been developed. The primary point of this study was uh, to assess overall response rate. So what we can see, um, you know, is that um, the treatment was uh, very active uh, in 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 with all the different schedules. Perhaps the uh, safety profile was a little bit different, uh, but um, in the, with the different um, uh, chemotherapy backbones, although the numbers are very low to make um, definitive conclusions. Uh, perhaps to point that uh, diarrhea was uh, the major toxicity that was found in this clinical trial, but it could be managed with uh, prophylactic anti-diarrheal uh, regimens. Moving to the activity that I briefly alluded before, you can see here that uh, including all patients that were included in the in the three cohorts of um, of uh, the study, uh, the confirmed overall response rate uh, was 75%, with uh, uh, disease, confirm uh, disease control rate also uh, almost 90%, but actually it's really very meaningful uh, in this uh, particular setting. This is the data for progression of survival and overall survival, again showing in this first-line setting um, uh, a very encouraging progression free survival, median progression free survival of 12.5 months, and the median overall survival when this was reported was not reached. Also, the sanidatamab uh, data suggested to move forward in a formal phase three study, and this is the so-called Edison GA01 study for patients with uh, advanced metastatic gastric gastroesophageal junction without prior uh, HER2 uh, targeted agents or immune checkpoint inhibitors, uh, nor uh, neither systemic therapy. This is a global study, a large study that uh, aims to include a total of uh, more than 700 patients, and patients will receive the control arm, uh, trastuzumab, still in many patients this is considered the, the control arm with uh, conventional chemotherapy, or two experimental arms, one with uh, sanidotamab, combined with uh, the conventional chemotherapy, and the second experimental arm combining sanidatamab with uh, one PD-1, PDL one inhibitor, tislelucimab, combined also with um, uh, conventional um, chemotherapy schedules. 
the primary point for this particular study is uh, progression-free survival by independent review, but also another co-primary point being overall survival. There are other novel anti-HER2 therapies I'm going to be briefly mentioning in this slide. One of them is uh, Erborpacet. Uh, this is an anti-CD47 antibody. The very preliminary uh, data of the randomized uh, phase 2 aspen OSIT study uh, combining in the experimental arm Trastuzumab, Ramusirumab, Paclitazel, and Evorpacet uh, in this second-line setting has been uh, press release, uh, so, but we need uh, the, the final presentations in a, in a scientific format, uh, but the results are very encouraging. The same for the kinase inhibitor to catinib, uh, that it's approved in breast cancer and colorectal cancer in patients bearing um, HER2 mutations. And actually, the phase 2 mountaineer O2 study has fully enrolled patients uh, with um, gastric and gastroesophageal junction cancer. Also, we have um, data or an ongoing study on Sinrebosphus alpha. This is a, a, um, a, a biospecific antibody targeting HER2 and 41BB, as well as other biospecific antibodies uh, targeting HER2 and CD3 with intention of trafficking T cells into the, into the tumor. Also, new uh, HER2-directed ADCs are being evaluated, as well as HER2 cellular therapies. So, in summary, um, from the initial date of the TOGA study that consolidated uh, the combination of trastuzumab chemotherapy as the first-line standard of care treatment for HER2-positive metastatic gastric cancer, we have seen the evolution that um, has been recently presented uh, with many clinical trials, especially with pembrolizumab that has been already approved by the FDA based on the response data from the Keynote A11 study, and now with the expansion of progression-free survival data very recently presented. Also, the ADC, trastuzumab derustecan, has been shown to uh, has been uh, has demonstrated to show advantage in overall survival in this refractory setting, setting third line or beyond, and even second line or beyond. And of course, uh, one of the important aspects of this trial is to mitigate as much as possible the risk of ILD that these patients uh, may have. Finally, other studies with trastuzumab derustecan are evaluating also the role of this compound combined with uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors. Finally, concerning sanidamatamab, the biparatropic HER2 um, antibody, the phase 3 Edison GA01 study is evaluating the role of uh, this compound uh, in combination with, um, um, with chemotherapy and also in combination with chemotherapy plus an immune checkpoint inhibitors. And now just to recapitulate what we have seen in, uh, in this presentation, uh, we are going to go with another case of a patient, 70-year-old male that presented with uh, 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 symptoms related to the primary tumor, even with a weight loss. Um, and actually the workup revealed a gastroesophageal junction cancer that was HER2 positive, IHC 3+, plus, proficient for mid-match repair, and PDL one CPS uh, 10 Actually, uh, we found that this patient uh, for had uh, a test revealing uh, RB2 amplification, and uh, the complete workup actually showed that the patient had uh, extension into the liver and also uh, into lymph nodes. So um, the question for first is how we would manage uh, this patient and would, which would be the recommendations for systemic treatment. 
I don't know whether Dr. Pan wants to make any comment um, on this. Thank you, Dr. Tabanero. I think uh, this patient uh, would have multiple uh, different options. As we've seen, it could be, uh, you know, the first line with the trastuzumab with the checkpoint inhibitor. That could definitely be an option, a clinical trial targeting, uh, you know, like the bispecific antibodies that we talked about, like zanidatamab or uh, the ADCs like TDX uh, could, could be an option for these patients at this time. And, uh, the, you know, even if they progress on front line, let's say with the trastuzumab, I think second line, they have certain options, especially with the ADCs. So I think, uh, you know, just like the BTC, we've shown, again, a wide variety of a number of options could be available for these patients, targeted therapy options for these patients with uh, uh, a gastroesophageal adenocarcinoma. Thank you for your comments, um, uh, Subham. Actually, this patient, um, because of the data of um, the keynote study, was treated with a combination of pembrolizumab, testuzumab, and folfords. Naturally, the patient improved very rapidly from the symptoms that uh, he had. The CT scan showed very rapidly a response, and, and of course, oxaliplatine was discontinued uh, with the usual recommendations after eight cycles uh, for grade one neuropathy. And the patient could continue after these four months of therapy with an additional four months uh, with pembrolizumab, testosumab, and 5-fluorosyl locomotive. At that time point, actually, the patient pro presented uh, progression of the disease, both by increasing of the clinical symptoms, but also progression in one of the liver metastases. So, Dr. Pan, would, which would be your next um, step in this setting? I feel like I gave it away with the previous slide, but I think uh, a clinical trial or, 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 you know, or we could consider an ADC, just like TDX in the second line setting. Obviously, like you've said about the pulmonary toxicity, we need to watch out for that rare, but can be, can really have significant side effects for the patient. Thank you, Professor Pan. Well, one of the things that I mentioned before, and is being mandated more and more, especially for the regulatory levels of um, trastuzumab, deristecam, but other compounds may be the case, is to repeat biopsy, right? So just showing that the patient continues to have expression over expression of her to positive disease. And actually, this was the case in this patient. And again, as you mentioned in here, we had the discussion of whether this patient should uh, be treated with um, paclitaxel, ramucirumab, that was the standard of care, treating these patients uh, in the second line setting in an all-commerce uh, fashion. But also right now we have uh, other options like uh, trastuzumab, denustecan, that um, has uh, been shown uh, to be active in this uh, even uh, second line setting, although the regulatory labels uh, do not um, Consider that uh, in all in in all places uh, in the world, but as you mentioned, also um, the data that we have on sanidatamab, if there was a trial um, allowing for these patients, I think that uh, it should be really uh, a very good option uh, in this setting. With this, we come to the end of this session. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank all of you for being here with us, um, uh, evaluating all these new insights uh, in the field of uh, biliary tract cancer and gastric and gastroesophageal junction cancer, especially for the HER2-related uh, uh, expressing population. Of course, I would like to thank uh, Professor Subham Pan for uh, his excellent presentation and interaction. And finally, also to thank uh, our PRBU colleagues for uh, helping us to uh, do this session. Thank you very much again. Thank you so much, Dr. Tabernero.
This activity is certified by PVI, Peerview Institute for Medical Education. Remember to download the slides. Thank you for listening. Download materials and complete the post-test for instant credit at peerview.com forward slash PZU860. This program is supported by an independent medical education grant from Jazz Pharmaceuticals.